Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me, if you would, please. Welcome all of you again who are watching online. Uh, call somebody. Share this with somebody. Today's a life-changing day. This is the day God's made, man. We get to rejoice, be glad in it, and receive from it. And so good things are right in front of you. I'm going to point those out today. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. How many of you know that sometimes what you say is not what somebody else hears? As all the wives say, amen. It's, uh, it's an amazing thing that, that we... Uh, I think oftentimes uh, minimize, if you will, the power uh, of what we say. And I'll conclude this series today, and the title of the message is Creating an Upside in Down Times. Uh, you know, we, we, we continue to hear uh, things that are disheartening, things that are discouraging, and they're all around us, and all you have to do is, is turn on the television and any news station you want, and if you're not careful, you're, you're into it. You're sucked into the vortex of this unbelief and this doubt and all things going on. And everything, as I've already stated, as I've done this series, Into the World, question mark is, does it really matter whether it is or not? And the only, the only thing I can find that really matters, if in fact this were the beginning of the end, is that we, we just need to love people a little bit more, share the gospel a whole lot more, and, and have our focus on what we can do uh, to help impact our world in a positive way. Uh, you know, you can talk about problems all day long, and not one thing is going to change with regards to that problem. It's still going to be the same problem. But if you talk about the promises of God, the possibilities that are before us, you can begin to see things change, and it starts with the words you speak and the attitude you possess. So... Your words can change your attitude. All you have to do is talk to yourself, speak to yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord, and watch and see things begin to change. Now, I've struggled today, and I hope I can stay true to the message I'm about to preach. I spoke at the men's breakfast yesterday morning, and it was a message that God has put on my heart that I've yet to preach here, so I thought I would test drive it yesterday. <clears throat> if I can get it to pass the men's test... <clears throat> there's a good chance we're going to be all right. And so uh, I'll try to stay true to this. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7. And uh, then also turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. They're right there close to each other. And uh, this translation reads, With promises like this to pull on us, dear friends, Let's make a clean break from everything that defiles or distracts us. And if you'll stop just for a moment 
and realize that one of the greater distractions in our world, in our life, is the conversations we have with others, the words that we release out of our mouths about us or about a situation. Those oftentimes defile and distract what God wants to do in your life. There's a scripture that I've hung on to for years, many scriptures I've hung on to, but here's the reality. If you are a giver and you are a person who loves to share, one of the worst things that could happen to you is for you to lose the opportunity or ability or capacity to do so. And so what we have to realize is the word identifies how we're to stand. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. I've yet to see that scripture fulfilled on this side of heaven at this point. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you're in a hard time and you consider yourself by virtue of faith, not works, that you are a born-again believer and you're the righteousness of God in Christ, then that scripture is your scripture. You can declare, God, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Therefore, I am a great candidate for your blessing. Say those things out loud. Declare them. That's how you create an upside in a downtime is hanging on to what God has said he will do versus what the world says is really happening. Because whatever's happening right now, God has a hand in it. Now, I didn't say he caused it, but he has a hand in what he's going to do to pull us to the place uh, of our destiny. And certainly there are a lot of ways we contribute, but one of the great ways we contribute is by remaining positive, declaring what God says. You're not going to be healed. You were healed. By his stripes, you were healed. Now, this is a dramatic statement for religious people. Religious people only think in terms of how I might do good enough to get to heaven. People filled with faith say, how might I get heaven to earth? How might I, more specifically, how do I get heaven into my life? Because I can't give you heaven if I don't have heaven. I can't give you peace if I don't have peace. I can't contribute to your joy if I don't possess joy. I can't contribute to your grace if I don't possess grace. Everything that we want to do for others first has to be done in us. We have a world that is desperate, it's searching, it's wondering, it's questioning what's going to happen next, what's going to happen tomorrow. Listen, I got today. I'm not concerned about tomorrow because it ain't here. If I want to be really get a good grade on my English exam, I'm not worried about tomorrow because it is yet to arrive. I grew up in a neighborhood of ain't, and it ain't here yet. So what we have to do is be careful to not get distracted. And we oftentimes blame others for our demise, our difficulty, our, where we're at today. Well, my mom and dad didn't do this. My neighborhood didn't. My school wasn't good. Let me say something. It doesn't matter what was. What matters is what is. And you declare what is and what's going to be. You can't unscramble eggs, but you can find some new ones. Crack them. Both within and without, let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. 
make our spiritual lives fit. You know, January of every year, it's amazing me. I always laugh, and now I, I built my own home gym because my gym closed, and I thought, I'm tired of spending money on them. Let me just buy my own. But when I used to go to the gym the first week of January, I, I, I was there 20 years at the same boutique little gym. It wasn't a fancy gym. It wasn't a pretty gym. Women didn't wear makeup to the gym. <laughs> Women wearing makeup to the gym, you need to get another membership somewhere else. And so I had this little gym that I would go to, so I knew everybody. I was one of the, before it closed, there were two of us left that were there from the beginning. And I would go to the counter, and I would say, uh, how many people have enrolled? And I always did this, this kind of honorary, because they say, well, this many. And I said, well, let me do the math. There'll be about two left by the end of January. They wanted to get fit, but to be fit requires discipline. Now, I'm talking physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, but most people are so concerned. And and granted, this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I believe in taking care of it with everything in me, but I also know that the greatest thing I can invest in is my spirit man. And Paul is addressing that to be fit in your spirit. There are a lot of Christians who've been around a long time, and they go to the smorgasbord of spiritual donuts every week. You got so much cholesterol in your spirit, man, I'm surprised he's still breathing. I'm going to say this, and you, you know, hopefully it doesn't contradict, but... Nothing worth having comes with great ease. It comes with great discipline. Now, I'm going to continue to address a, address a pandemic as long as the pandemic is addressing America. But here's what's happened. Through the pandemic, we got a lot of people that decided the game was no longer being played, sitting on the sidelines, and you become spiritual slop E. I'm just trying to pastor. You're sitting at home watching online knowing you could full well be here. But you got out of the habit and, and spirit man is sitting there on the sofa with you going, it'd be all right. We don't need church to go to heaven. No, but you'll pay hell getting there. We need the church. We need the church. We need to gather together. We need to fellowship. We need to connect, and this is the sermon I preached yesterday. Connection is the platform for every ounce of influence you'll ever have in your life. You cannot influence somebody without connecting to somebody. You're just another person in their life or in their sphere without having a connection. And that applies here as well. We need to connect to one another. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. You're sitting at home with a dull axe because you haven't been around anybody who will contradict you or create contrast in your life. Most people run from contrast and conflict without realizing that sometimes you need some sparks to fly in order for you to get high. You need people in your life who don't, yes and amen, everything you say. Trust me, I'm a pastor. I get it every week. (laughs) I get some yes and amens and I get a whole lot of oh me's. Now, I have a tendency to go from preaching to meddling from time to time, and that will be the case today. We got to have strength on the platform, strength in the podium. We got to have truth coming forth, and truth cuts deep. 
So I'm going to start preaching to Easter right now. Those of you who have yet to be in church, I'll see you Easter weekend. It's a special Sunday for some reason. I don't know. To me, every day is special. Every day I celebrate the risen Savior. I don't wait for one holiday weekend a year on our calendar. He is worthy every day, and we say He is risen. What am I preaching on? Creating upside in a down time. The upside is that God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be with you always in the good, the bad, the ugly, in every other situation. And you just need to declare it when things get ugly. Say, God, you're up to something. And I don't care to even know what it is. I'm on the ride. You're in charge. I'm just going to stay close to you and fit in my spirit. And I'm going to keep declaring what you're declaring, not what CNN, CNBC, Fox, and all the other stations are declaring. I'm declaring God will move in our world. He'll move in our earth. He'll move in our lives. He'll move in our families. So how do you know that? Because I know God. He's never been overshadowed by the demonic. He's never been defeated by the demonic. The only thing that defeats mankind is their mouth. I felt a little bit like Joyce Meyer when I just said that, that deep voice, you know. Trust us. We've never hurt a soul, Paul says. Never exploited or taken advantage of anyone. Don't think I'm finding fault with you. I told you earlier that I'm with you all the way no matter what. I have, in fact, the greatest confidence in you. If only you knew how proud I am of you, I am overwhelmed with joy despite all our troubles. Now, it takes a real believer to say, I am overjoyed in spite of all our troubles. I'm a happy camper today. I am by design. Not because something fabulous happened yesterday or this morning. I'm happy because I get to choose to be. I'm full of joy because I get to choose to be. I want to be the person that, 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 that says, you know, you can say what you want, do what you want, but you can't affect who I am. I am committed. I have a conviction. I am sold out. I've been bought with a price. I belong to God, covered by the blood of the Lamb, washed, cleansed, and ready to go at any point in time. I just told our security team, don't jump in front of me. If somebody pulls a trigger, it may be my time. Don't interfere with me going to heaven. If you do, I'll kill you. (laughs) I thought if Jesus has already got my yard in heaven landscaped, the house is done. I don't want to leave that sucker sitting empty very long. You know, it's just about every day getting up and declaring the goodness of God. Down times are not going to drag us down. Hebrews chapter 12, I'll read 2 Corinthians 5 in a moment. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, that sin, which is so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. So if I were to 
be in a counseling setting today, I would ask you, what do you feel weighs you down? Some of you literally would say, my bay window. (laughs) Belly. You say, when I was 16, I had a six-pack. Well, now you got a keg. Always laugh when I see men walking around going like this all the time. I'm going, you prize that, don't you, huh? That may, that may set you back a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Now, we don't talk about that anymore because it's not politically correct, but I love you enough to tell you I want you to be happy, I want you to be healthy, I want you to be whole. Don't get mad at me. Just, just tolerate me for a minute, and then God will speak to you at lunch and tell you I was right. That's just what he does. I can't help it. As much as I, I laugh at the gym, that sure enough, I was right every year, and they would laugh with me. Say people come in and they buy all these new clothes. They be coming in looking good, and after about, you know, and, and I even on on Instagram, it, you know, we're still in January. I saw one post of a guy been working out, and he, he's he hadn't worked out forever. You could tell, but he's taking a picture of his guns. And, and, and the gun cabinet was empty. <laughs> I don't know what he was thinking, but it was a cabinet. It wasn't a gun. And I thought, you've been at this for all 14 days, and you're now trying to pump up your bicep? <laughs> Brother, you got about five years waiting on you. But you got to stay committed. Nothing happens overnight. You, as a Christian, if you're a spirit man, you keep fumbling your spirit man. Just keep going to the spiritual gym. One day it'll be noticeable that you're actually born again. <laughs> Some people have been born again for 30 years. They still have no spiritual muscle. <laughs> they haven't worked a spiritual muscle forever. It, all they did was pray the prayer. That was the, they exercised one day and went, look at me. <laughs> Don't do that. The devil will on you like white on rice. You got no strength. You got to have strength. And Paul's preaching to us from a platform of strength. And he says, lay aside everything that weighs you down. Who weighs you down? What weighs you down? What are the things keeping you, dragging you, anchoring you to a place you don't need to be? God says we're going from glory to glory. You can throw out the anchor. Get rid of it. The only thing we anchor to is him. We don't anchor to another person, a a thought, a job, a house, a home. We're too emotionally connected to many things that we possess. We've got to stay fit. Now, 2 Corinthians 5 says, God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. This will play out on down in the sermon. But we have to realize that in down times, number one, we oftentimes perceive ourselves as victims of somebody else's choice. First off, as Christians, we're never victims of anything. Now, please understand, I know you can be a victim of robbery and all that. I'm talking about a victim in your soul where you feel victimized by what you don't have, what you haven't done. Somebody else has been promoted in front of you, and all of a sudden, you begin to play the victim role. Well, if it hadn't have been for the pandemic, well, you know what? Here's the way I'm looking at the pandemic. Something great's getting ready to come out of this. 
It's just a platform for greatness. God will use it to elevate you. In down times, God's always an up God. And here, people, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't worry about what's going to happen. What's going to happen is going to happen, and it's my responsibility to not let it happen to me if it's something God doesn't want to happen to me. You'd be surprised at how your life will change when you begin to get up in the morning and start talking to Jesus and not talking about your problems. Well, nothing good ever happens to us. Car didn't start yesterday. Heat and air is out. Don't know what we're going to do. I know what you're going to do. You're going to lift your hands to heaven and say, glory to God. I'm a candidate for a miracle. Now, if you don't believe in miracles, the day will come when you do. Trust me, I prayed for a lot of people in the hospital in their dying days, you know, and I said, now, now you believe now? Oh, yeah. I want to say, well, why didn't you believe last week? Anyway, that's my flesh. I think every day is loaded with miracles. That God has an inventory of miracles with our names on them. Let's put it this way. You know, Christmas time has come and gone. and It'll come again quicker than we want it to. When you get older, you know, life becomes like a roll of toilet paper. The closer it gets to the end, the faster that sucker rolls. So it's rolling fast right now. But I can put all kinds of gifts under a Christmas tree for you with your name on it and everything. And that gift's going to be there until what? Until you get it, pick it up, and open it. If you expect somebody else to open it for you, typically people are polite enough to see their name wasn't on there. And they leave it. And they tell you, hey, there's a gift under the tree for you. You Well, you know, I don't deserve it. I've been naughty, not nice. Probably a lump of coal in there. Who's your daddy? (laughs) There you go. God is my daddy and there ain't no coal in there. I don't care how bad you've been. God's a good God. Now, he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I know he doesn't want anything bad to happen to us. The the worst thing or the thing I think that would happen is there just wouldn't be a gift under there with your name on it. (laughs) He ain't going to give you coal. God's a good God. One person said, life is hard. Another person responded, compared to what? (laughs) Life is hard compared to what? When I start having a tough day in America, all I do is go back to when I lived in Africa. And I go, wow, it's a great day. It's a great day. And, And I don't know how you frame things, but I oftentimes will look at the, you know, try to find contrast. I talked about this yesterday. Contrast helps us oftentimes to see where we are and who we are. If I see someone very angry, I ask myself the question, is that me? Does that look like me? And if it does, I want to change me. That contrast doesn't uh, do anything to harm me. It does something because I've chosen to look at life and go, What can I do to make life better? Because if I make it better for me, it's going to be better for all the people around me. All you have to do is, I I don't know how many of you have ever heard a mean preacher. I've heard a lot of mean preachers. I listen to a lot of preachers. They're just mad. And I'm thinking, what are you mad at? You represent God, and God ain't mad. 
We need to represent God with good news. I know there are bad things happening. I know that, that it's, it would be considered historically as a downtime in our country. <clears throat> but it's never a downtime in heaven. And I'm calling heaven to earth. Be it done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't play the victim. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, here's what I think about. I can see a coliseum in heaven. And I can see all of the great Bible characters, if you will, or the Bible people. And I can see them in that coliseum leaning over the rail, yelling down to earth. Come on, you can do it. John says, I took a hot bath and ended up in heaven. I was boiled in oil, and here I am. I'm up here with you. Peter's going, I was crucified upside down. You can do this. Now, when I think about being crucified in any way, shape, form, or fashion, sideways, upside down, right side up, it doesn't matter to me. That's painful. And I think, wow, if Peter did it, and he's up there surrounding me right now, going, come on, son, somebody talked about you? (laughs) Really? I can't believe they said that about me. Here's the way I look at it. If you're talking about me, you're thinking about me. And I don't care what your thoughts are. You're thinking about me, sucker. I just try to spin it in a way that that makes it easier for me to just look and go, it's all right. So many people live their whole life wondering how other people are going to respond to the choices they've made. And before you make a choice, you oftentimes say, what will people think? Don't ever ask that question. Ask this question, what will God think? Because it really doesn't matter what people think. Because you're not going to report to people. You're not going to stand before people at the end of your life and give an account for what you've done. You're only going to stand before Jesus. And everybody has an opinion. They're like noses. They're everywhere. Spiritually defiant people defy sinful accusations, criticism. You become fit in the Lord. Oh, I can remember even early on in ministry, man, where I was thinking, what, you know, what, what, what's going to make people this and what's going to make them that and what will they think and all that. And, and finally, I just decided I'm going to be me. I'm hopefully going to be the sanctified me. <laughs> That's my prayer always. Lord, let me represent the sanctified side. And because I realize, and it's not to impress God, satisfy God, make God joyful because he's all those things already. It's not that. It's because I love him and respect him and I know he's given me an opportunity in this life and in this world to have an impact on my sphere of influence. And I think sometimes it's better than we think to be authentic in a way that, because this is very difficult. Some people will measure every move you make, every word you state. And uh, I think sometimes we betray ourselves by not being ourselves. I used to want to be like so many other preachers. My pastor is in heaven today, 2009, November 22nd. He passed into eternity. Learned a lot from him. And he was such a, a great communicator that I watched him every move. Then I started watching the clothes he wore and the shoes he wore. And I realized just how different we were. But he, I remember, he always wore wingtips. So I I thought, well, maybe the anointing is in the wingtips. 
I bought wingtips. I looked in the mirror and I went, those just don't look right on you. (laughs) But I was doing anything I could to try to identify with anointing. Because I wanted my life to be victorious. I didn't want to be a victim of where I was brought up, how I was brought up, the mistakes I'd made. I did not, I was not going to play that card. Well, if I'd have had the opportunities that so-and-so had, then things would be better in my life. If, if I'd have just been given a little bit better education, if I would have, the list goes on. And all those are, are, those are victim statements. To be a victor, you have to look and say, if God did it for them, he's bound to do it for me. The Bible says he does not show favoritism. But it does take diligence. The Bible says the hand of the diligent shall rule, not the hand of the slothful. You don't get from God what God has for you without committing to God what he wants you to do. Words like everybody's out to get me has to go. I know they're out to get me. I know they don't want me promoted. I don't care who wants you promoted or doesn't want you promoted. If God wants you promoted, you'll be promoted. You can have the boss that hates your guts. And you can think, well, if it wasn't for him, there's that victim line. If it wasn't for him, there's a really good chance that I could go high places in this company. He is nothing stopping you. If, if he is in that position, God allowed him to be there. And guess what might be happening? You ask yourself the question, God, what do you want me to learn from him? I want you to learn to be patient. I want you to learn to be strong. I want you to learn to pray for those who curse you, bless them. I want you to learn. If we can't learn those things and we become the boss, we'll be no better than the boss himself. We have too many people talking about people instead of talking about God. Whenever you're tempted to talk about somebody, lift your hands to heaven and say, Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can have a Pentecostal moment in front of a Baptist crowd. You do that in in a lot of churches. You just do that right there, and they're running. Uh Uh-oh, it's about to have a Holy Ghost moment. This is my religious check. Everybody's still here. People even still coming in. somebody else's fault that I'm feeling the way I'm feeling that has to go you don't give people permission to dump their trash in your soul that's your responsibility not their their responsibility and so you have to release the weight one communicator said if it's going to be it's up to me Well, we know what he's saying. He's saying, if it's going to be, I have to put my work with my faith, and I have to step out and be who God's called me to be and do what God's called me to do. There's probably not a week that goes by or at least a month that I don't think about Mosaic Church and and my relationship to the city, my relationship to this church, people who didn't want me to come back. And I'm not mad at them. I I just know that, you know, uh, we, we still are learning, and hopefully everything this way I'm looking at everything that happened will do somebody some good to realize you can get back up after you fall you can get back up after you fail people may quit on you but God will never quit on you don't waste a sin in your life don't waste it devil loves to just put sin on you and let it sit there on your chest look at that sin and go okay what did I learn from this what am I going to do in response to this what am I going to do 
What am I going to say? I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better. I'm going to declare the goodness of God because it never was about me anyway. It was always about Him. And you know what? His truth preaches through any vessel. You can have somebody talk good about God that, that, that is just a filthy sinner, and it's still truth. He is a good God. They can look and say, yeah, but look at your life. No, look at his life. He gave it for us. Creating upsides means dropping the weights that have held you back. Reflect on or consider what you can do. Don't expect others to do it for you. If you can do it for yourself. Now, God will send other people along, but you have to ask yourself the question, what am I doing to better my life? I believe every Sunday coming to church, even just for the short time we're here, contributes to a better life. I know that we went from the only way to go to heaven back in the day was you had to be in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. That was what religious people told you, and it was, it was a good thought. I think being in church is great. I obviously pastor a church. But we went from that, that religious works, works, works with a dab of faith to where we are today where, you know, I don't need church. I don't need this. I don't need that. Let me tell you something. We need each other. We need each other. I need your prayers every day. And don't just call me out in a wad of people. God help our church. You call me out, Mark Anthony Crow, God. Help him. He's our pastor, but we know he needs help. You can say it however you want. You can say he said some really stupid stuff last Sunday. Please help him not to be stupid this week, Mark Anthony Crow. Don't just toss it up there with a bunch of other people's names. I want you to mention me by name I'm asking it nobody else asking you put me at the front of the row Mark Crow God help him throw Jesse in there too he has to put up with me I'm going to try to close with this thought and, you know, as a pastor, we get asked all the questions. If somebody dies while they're angry and said something mean about somebody, will they go to heaven? I get all the great questions. What do you think about AA, NA? What do you think about all these programs that higher power? What do you think? You know, I get all the questions. And uh, I ask question back because sometimes the best way to answer a question is with a question. Well, do you believe that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved? Well, yeah, then you just answered your question. There are a lot of tools that God gives us and wisdom that God gives us from different places that will help us. And this growing up, you know, like some people, uh, when I had Jim Caviezel who played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ, when I had invited him to church, he's Roman Catholic, and there were people who questioned you know, why would you have a Roman Catholic come? Because I thought, well, he was Jesus. <laughs> as close as I'm ever going to get to Jesus was Jesus in the passion of the Christ. But the reality was I wanted to hear his perspective on what it was like 
to play that role, what it felt like. Wanted to learn from him. So, well, he, he's not of our persuasion. He's a Christian. Okay? He's a Christian. He may not give the same expression or have the same expression that I had, but he did have the same experience as me. Well, where I grew up, if you weren't our denomination, you were an abomination. And we were the only ones going to heaven, which meant that there were going to be a lot of vacancies because God's built a lot of homes for a lot of other denominational people that weren't in our denomination. Anyway, this is the quote that most of you have heard. And I, I love it. It, it. It's not something that came from probably our expression or our persuasion. And the only thing that I would ever disagree with is, in a moment I'll try to remember to say it, but I want to read this first. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. When you're born again, the Bible calls us a new creature. I, I, I would have a very difficult time, though I would not judge somebody for this because it might work for them. But when I got born again and things began to fall off my life, weights that were holding me back, I never called myself those things again. In other words, I'm not, hi, I'm Mark, I'm an alcoholic, and I, I, that, I'm not. Now, I used to have those issues, but I don't anymore. And, of course, then that brings up the subject of, well, you know, what about? And I go, well, Jesus' first miracle, all you have to do is look at it. I'm more afraid of computers than I am other things. You know, for years the church talked about alcohol, talked about all these things, and I'm thinking, those are not the problem. We're the problem. We are always the problem. Not the TV, not the computer, not the grape juice. I'm the problem. We never talk about television. You know, I've noticed that throughout the years. You know, and there are people who watch TV 10, 12 hours a day, and a person who has a glass of wine, the one that is going to be vilified in my world was a glass of wine, not the 10 hours of TV. And yet the 10 hours of TV is probably killing you a whole lot more. Not probably, absolutely. You see what I'm saying? The weights that hold us back are prejudices that we possess from an entire lifetime of being around people. So you have to, to be fit. I can't go to the gym with somebody and have them work out and get the benefit. I went to the gym today, and I watched Larry work out. I'm strong. No, you got to work out for yourself. Matter of fact, the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. The problem with religion is most people are working yours out, and they're not taking care of theirs. When I got saved, they wanted me to cut my hair. Well, I kind of figured the day would come when I wouldn't have any, so I was going to wear it while I had it. And that's what I did. It was long hair. I was the only guy in the church. I came in long hair. Remember back in the days of Peter Frampton? That was my hair. And now, oh God. 
It's not funny when it's cold. <laughs> Stay spiritually fit. In this, what we consider to be a downtime in our country, maybe the world, every day you can create an upside in the downtime. Your negativity, your negative words, your negative responses, your anger is not going to fix anything. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. You can joyfully look into the face of adversity and say, you know what, God? This situation and this crisis demands your attention because I can't do it without you. I honestly believe, and this will be, it'll land on a lot of you wrong. I believe our best days are ahead. I just cannot believe God would look down on earth and go, well, it's so bad my people are getting beat up. Sick them, Jesus. It's not how it's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen when, when atheists and agnostic and antagonizers, if we, the church, will do our job, will turn and say, I want what you have. I've watched you. When the company was downsizing, the world was downturning, the family was down and out, I watched you keep your joy. I watched you stay positive. I listened to words of hope from you. Why in the world would the world want to come to a church that's negative and doubtful and fearful and say, boy, I don't know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. No, it's going to get better before it gets better. And then it's going to get better than the better and the better. How can you say that? As easy as you can say, woe is me. It's just a word, but that word impacts your world. Life and death, baby, right here in your mouth. I want us to be a church where people go, I didn't hear what the pastor said, but I all walked in. Everybody was nice to me and upbeat. Worship was upbeat. People want to be around positive people. How many of you know that? If you don't have any friends, don't blame them. Show yourself friendly, and you shall have friends. Be nice, even to mean people. They'll question what medication you're on, and they'll try to buy it. I just want you to know that whatever you're going through, if you'll stay faithful to God, you'll go through. If you'll trust God, you'll go through. Nothing's too difficult for him. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We've praised you. We've thanked you. And you said you would inhabit the praise of your people. It's my prayer, not just today, but this week, that we would be thinking about our spiritual fitness, our spiritual exercises, our spiritual commitment to grow our soul. To go from glory to glory, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not minimizing the pain, suffering that you may be going through, but I am maximizing the power of God that can go through you to cleanse you of the things you're struggling with. So we're going to pray a prayer because it all begins with salvation on the way to church. And about every day I get up, my first thing I do is say, God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you. For giving me life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for daily 
walking with me and forgiving me for the things I do and the things I don't do. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call you my Lord. I call you my Savior. Amen. If you prayed that prayer to recommit your life or to come into salvation through Jesus, I want you to text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED in your name. Last Sunday, we had five people, and I thought, boy, that's great for us. It's awesome. Five people transitioned from death to life, from hell to heaven. Their eternity was changed forever. So please text us and let us know you prayed that prayer. It will liberate you. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crowe. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.